Welcome to Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. A Buddha is someone who's awake within the matrix and co-creating with divinity as a soul having a human experience. Each enlightened episode is dedicated to help you level up the energy field of your Merkaba. You can manifest the parallel reality that fits the best version of you. This podcast is for entertainment purposes and does not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Now, let's welcome your host, author Von Galt, and her guest. Welcome to another podcast episode of Merkaba Chakras. I'm your host, Vaughn Galt, and today we learn another way to connect to Christ's consciousness of source. Our guest is spiritual teacher and author, Zane Daniel. What makes this Buddhism podcast different from many others is that we have this vast archive of metaphysic knowledge in Buddhism. And I love to incorporate new methods to our canon so that we can expand consciousness even more as we dive further into the fifth dimensional awareness. After a 2013 ayahuasca ceremony, Zane catapulted into spirituality by channeling the wisdom about the truth beyond the tribal feuds of good versus evil, light versus dark, from extra dimensional collectives such as the Hathers, the Ancients, the Arcturians, and the Andromedans. With that, let's go to the bottom of this battle between good and evil. So Zane, welcome to Merkava Chakra. Thanks, yay. <laughs> I love this topic and I love that you Me talk too. about this topic because this is one that I think, especially in the spiritual community and in, in, in various ways in which people get awakened and enlightened, they stop at the front door of accepting their connectivity to the dark, the evil ones, all, all these different names that we um, we put on each other. Um, mm -hmm. So I love that we're gonna go down this because this is also a very, very controversial um, truth that is really hard to swallow and accept in Buddhism. Oh, interesting, yeah. okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, and it's difficult for most people to swallow it just because it's it's counter to our survival programming. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this topic as well. Yeah, this is, and, and I, I, there's a lot of different topics um, that we discuss because, you know, in our canon and, and I bring forth many different ways to discuss some of these different topics so we can have different viewpoints and different ways in which to understand the same thing. Um, but this, this one is not very touched on because a lot of people still don't understand this. So I, uh, before we get into this topic and really dig deep into it, can you tell us your story for how you got into this work in the first place? 
Sure. Yeah. I like to say that I was raised by scientists. My grandfather was a chemist who worked for the U.S. government after World War II, and he actually developed triggers for the H-bomb. So, uh, and then my father and most of my uncles, uh, they were all electrical engineers. So on both sides of the family. So I really had a, a science-based you know, upbringing. Now we didn't all sit around talking about science all the time, but we definitely didn't sit around talking about spirituality or religion. And if we did, it, it was with uh, joking and snickering at the rest of the world. Like, well, look at all of them. They all believe this crazy thing, you know, that's silly. Um, so, so I was totally blindsided when I had that first ayahuasca experience. And so you know, I was a producer in the video game industry for 22 years, uh, very much a corporate person. I was also raised to be really smart with money, um, to use common sense as much as possible. So, so I had the, the 3D world all figured out. I was doing very well financially. And, and I was also at the same time coming to a, a conclusion that I was a little bit bored because I wasn't really experiencing that much that was new anymore. Like I said, I had it all figured out or so I thought. And so I, and I also thought that science had it mostly figured out. So, uh, and, and I didn't look at spirituality at all. Like I didn't even know channeling was a thing. Um, I didn't, you know, if, if I had seen a, a storefront that said psychic school, I would have said, oh, that's a place where people th who pretend to be psychics go to learn how to fool other people into thinking that they're actually psychic. I would have not, I would have never looked at it as an actual training for an actual skill. So when I had though that very first ayahuasca experience, which which was not a ceremony actually, it was it was a you know a friend of the family essentially that just introduced it to us, and we didn't know even what we were having, um, <laughs> uh, and, and 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 he got the dosage wrong, so we were all massively underdosed, oh. and and I was the only of the people who tried it. I was the only one who experienced anything at all. Nobody else had any experience whatsoever. Um, and for me, it was a voice that came to me in the darkness with my eyes closed. That's why I say in the darkness that said, essentially, um, ask me any question. And I knew that it wasn't my own brain that was saying this. I knew that I was speaking to the voice of universal knowledge. Instantly, I just knew it. Mm -hmm. And so at that moment, I took all of my science understanding and all of my everything and just threw it over my shoulder out the window and said, nope, uh, all that's wrong. I'm about to, to learn how the universe really works. And I just knew it and I just trusted it. And so I started asking questions about what how questions I should, did you ask? Right. The first question I asked was, well, here I am speaking to the voice of universal knowledge. I asked, how should I live? And, and, you know, nice icebreaker question. Right. Um, and so it, it essentially taught me that I wasn't loving enough. And, and I didn't understand what that meant because, of course, I believed in the whole you love your family and your closest friends and it's every man for themselves. So I'm not going to love beyond knowing anyone. So, so they, 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 and I say they because it was multiple entities that were, that were coming to me throughout the experience. Um, they showed me through imagery what I was missing out on because I didn't love all. And I didn't, and I, you know, at that time, I didn't understand what I was looking at. Like, I didn't get it. It, it took years for me to like go back and understand what they were really teaching me. What were the images that they were showing you that 
lacked your understanding of loving all. Okay. So, so it was the, the main image was I was looking at a planet and there, there was kind of like, you know, how you see the atmosphere go around the edge of the earth yeah. sometimes with certain yeah, yeah. shots. So I could see that atmosphere and I could see the gap between the earth and then that atmosphere. And then outside of that atmosphere was, you know, incredible sights and everything like beautiful planets and nebula and stars and black holes and all this beauty. And it was like that gap was the, the distance that I held the rest, the rest of the, uh, of existence because I didn't love all. So, you know, and, and I just kind of, inherently understood that to some degree like i said i couldn't i couldn't figure it out at the time but now looking back on it it makes total sense yeah that that's a perfect i mean that that's perfect segue to <laughs> um being fifth dimension awareness so a lot of people ask me you know after each uh, podcast Vaughn, how did that um person that you interview relate to buddhism how does it amplify our understanding of buddhism etc mm -hmm. so for the framework of this interview this this concept of good and evil, light versus dark, um, the bad guys versus the good guys, you know, all of the above. This is a very age old, it goes down to tribal warfare. Yes. Uh, because, you know, when when civilizations would split up and they have so many of these stories in um, in Buddhist, Buddhist canon and in Hindu canon and others um, in, East, in the East, when they split up, they're the same people but then they're fighting for resources, they're fighting for people, et cetera, et cetera. And so um, it, in order to create tribes that will fight and take care of their own, they must separate themselves from the other. In, and the easiest way is to kind of like demonize them. They're the bad person, they're taking our stuff, they're the, mm -hmm. they're the evil guys, all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of the root of how civilizations that were once a mass, empire divide up into tribes and then start feuding with each other over over survival things that's the basic premise um mm -hmm. for that but um and then it carries on into ideology and into other things but ideology is is very common and this is one thing that like in buddhism um so buddhism is an offshoot of hinduism and what makes Buddhism different from Hinduism is Buddhism does not have a belief in different sets of gods like Vishnu and um, Brahman and et cetera. Because um, Siddhartha Gautama Buddha, which is the first Buddha, um, he is from an Aryan Indian family who is Hindu. Um, Aryan being um, the Sanskrit word for royal. Anyways, when he had his moment of enlightenment and awakening underneath the Bodhi tree, he had, through deep meditation, had a life review of 1,000 of his lives. They call it in the Jakarta Tales, okay? And in those 1,000 reviews of different lifetimes, he saw himself as the perpetrator, as the victim, as the warrior, as the hero, as the bad guy, as the evil guy, as the light, as the dark, as the one that's doing the evil deeds, as the one who's receiving the evil deeds. He saw it from all perspectives as if it was himself. And then when he saw that, he realized, oh my goodness, we are all connected. We are all one. And um, it's the same players many times over and over again, trying to learn different lessons, playing different roles for our own evolution and understanding and when he had those 
thousand live reviews, which you, you guys can all read on the Jakarta Tales. Um, that's when he knew this was all a sojourn for the soul's spiritual evolution and their own personal experiences. Because it's not always a lesson. Sometimes it's just for fun. Because there are fun lives as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so when he saw that, he realized that there is a truth beyond good and evil, light versus dark. And the truth is that we're all connected to source. And when we realize and recognize that connection to source, the main creator that is in everyone, because when he went through those life reviews, he saw that he was also connected to the source. Um, he realized that's what the entry point of fifth dimensional Christ consciousness is, is to recognize that Christ, that, that light in everyone. And it's hard to see that um, when your enemy is trying to kill you. <laughs> or trying to take your stuff because right. they don't see that connectivity. So we're going to go deep into this concept because you have a lot of different perspectives and different ways to understand this higher truth that not everybody ne necessarily recognizes. So, um, you know, you channel the Hathers and other extra dimensional collectives. What do they say about the purpose of good versus evil in our pre-life planning prior to reincarnation. Right. Okay. Well, I want to step all the way back and say mm -hmm. that Please. evil and good requires judgment. That if you do not have judgment, then there is no such thing as good or evil. And judgment comes from the individual. Judgment comes from a limited perspective. The unlimited perspective, the source perspective, is that there is no judgment because as, as we as source, I always say we as source because we are, um, we as source created everything, both the good and the evil, right? And so from our perspective as source, it just exists. It's, and, it, and, it's, and it's beautiful in its creation in, in ourselves. So we have to go to, in order to even get to the concept of good and evil, we have to go way down into the very, very limited perspective of one of these three-dimensional beings. If we even go down into the perspective of a collective or the perspective of an ascended master who's no longer incarnated, that, then that, we still don't have judgment. We are still in a perspective of everything just is. So we have to really super limit ourselves and then look at things from a one perspective. And from that perspective, now you think about we as humans and really all the animals on this planet and probably all the plants too, mm -hmm. receive signals from our external environment. So we receive a signal. If we grab a briar bush, then all of a sudden we receive signals from our hand to our brain that says, ow, you know, don't do that dummy, because this is injuring us. And if we continue to do things that injure us, that means we will no longer survive, that we will no longer exist. So we receive all this feedback and information, and then we use that to judge from. So we are using the, the incoming information like also fear and uh, frustration. And, and so the negative emotions carry with them 
a negative signature so that you know, hey, I shouldn't do this, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's a training mechanism. We're trained, we're being trained like dogs to survive. We don't have yeah. to know, hey, I'm trying to survive and I don't want to jump off the cliff. We can be completely oblivious to that. But when we get close to the edge of the cliff, the brain sends signals to us that says, yipes, you know, this is scary. Oh, I shouldn't be here. And so we instantly step back um, so that we don't have to even be conscious of the fact that this is a dangerous situation. So we receive all this information constantly from our environment and we interpret that information. And if, if, if fear, for instance, felt good, if it felt good to have fear experiences, then we might go, oh, yay, I kind of want to balance on the edge of the cliff because this will feel awesome. Oh, and then you fall to your death and yeah. you go, oh, okay, well, that didn't work out so well. We can't have fear feeling good. It has to feel bad. Right. And yeah. so that's where we get suffering. Suffering comes from the fact that we can die. If yeah. we couldn't die, there would be no such thing as suffering. And if we couldn't die, there would also be no such thing as pleasure. Again, we move now from the limited perspective up into that source perspective. There's no way to die. You are infinite. There's no way to have pain or suffering or, or, or even pleasure. So, so now everything just is again. So we have to be in these limited perspectives in order to have all these signals and all this information coming through. So then the survival characteristic of your tribe is to, to have judgment. Oh, this tribe member isn't collecting enough berries. We need to, we need to correct that behavior because otherwise the tribe could be in jeopardy. This right. tribe member is being too loud and he's attracting the saber-toothed tigers to our location. We can't have that, so we must correct that behavior. Oh, now you get to do self-judgment. Oh, I didn't collect enough berries or I'm being too loud, so I need to not do that anymore. So we have to have judgment in order to, 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 to survive. So everything that we experience here on this planet is survival based unless we start to tap into ourselves as source, which is not very easy to do. Most people can't do it. And if yeah. you were a survival character, if you were a, a tribe member and you had unconditional love for all a, a source based perspective, then all of a sudden a saber tooth tiger is coming and you go, oh, I love the saber tooth, you know, and it's over. Right. Yeah. So, so you, you, that, that is a very important thing for us to have as these um, very limited beings is to have judgment. Right. And then we're going to, of course, have judgment of good and evil because evil would cause others suffering. That's just an automatic answer. Evil equals causing others suffering and good means rescuing others from suffering or saving others from suffering or helping others to overcome suffering there i mean that's really all it is yep. and so from this perspective we can look at everything and go all right is it important to judge this is it important to judge this for our survival if the answer to that is yes right now i'm gonna die if i don't judge go for it right yeah but if you're looking at it like Okay, is there any reason for me to judge this? Is it is it, uh, it, it inherent to my survival at this very moment? No? Okay, well then maybe you should try to move into the perspective of yourself as source and look at that experience that's happening and go, well, that is what I as source wanted. 
in this moment for those individuals that are involved in that or even myself. So who am I to try to interfere or to make judgment that it's wrong? Right, right. I call that the prime directive. (laughs) You know, it's funny because... um, Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Like the Star Trek prime directive. Yeah, very well said. (laughs) Let them learn. Let them learn. Um, What you have just described is something... uh, I had this conversation with a, um, a, a, a creative writing professor who... he. Um, I took the course. He loved my writing style. He loved the choices in, in, in the description and everything else. But he said one thing to me. He said, Vaughn, you are not a creative writer. And I said, why? He's like, you don't have a bad guys. You you don't let the bad guys get so bad that you, you hate them. You you uh-huh. like solve the problem before they get to the to, to the very bottom of the barrel and they clawing their way out. You solve <laughs> it before they get there. You um, You resolve, you have your your good guys talk through and resolve the the issues without letting them get so so far into like the muckety muck. You you just don't allow the bad to happen. And I'm like, well, how do you? And so then I try to make it bad. And they're like, well, you know. And then and they're like, that's not bad enough. And, and, <laughs> and I was like, right. it's like, oh, okay, okay. So then I try to write so that like they're suffering really hard. And he's like, that's not suffering. I'm like, I'm like so I, I I gave up trying to find ways to do creative writing because I just oh. didn't have enough of the polarization of characters in my in myself to make it come forward so um it is a it's a a different skill but what my professor had told me is like Vaughn um understand it as curriculums okay when you create characters and you wrote the comic series righteous okay Mm -hmm. so you know this when you're creating characters um just like we create characters in our life and we pre-plan our life um if you're into reincarnation and looking into your different life reviews in reincarnation like Buddha did, um, there is like like in terms of like the, the third. Let's take the third dimensional perspective on things. Like you were describing survival. You know, I'm going to judge so I can protect myself. All those are basics. Those are that's a curriculum to understand the basics. And uh, in consciousness, we have our ego self, and then we have our higher self. You know, kind of the, the good versus the bad, the devil versus the angel on your shoulders. That's the that's the duality of that push pull that creates that oh is this good should we do this should we make judgment here how do we survive this situation it is a curriculum in that exercise so that you survive in the physical but then the next level up is to over overcome survival and so if you overcome survival and you have things set up so that you have your food you have your shelter everybody's food and sheltered um the saber tooth tiger tiger comes you're smart enough and, and you've gone over that curriculum to know, well, that's discernment. That one is, don't play with that one. It, right. it doesn't recognize that you're one, but you recognize that you're, you're one. So let's just, you know, it, leave it to the, the wild, you know, plains that it lives in and we will just survive on a higher level. And so you make respectful boundaries. Mm-hmm. And then when you go into that higher level of awareness and you, understand everything's connected and everything has its journey the saber-toothed tiger has its journey of evolution and you have evolved to a certain level of evolution now you're seeing it from a perspective of the oversoul that sees a connection to all um, and you're respectful of all's journey like like i said the prime directive and that is where um 
we get into this concept of being fifth dimensional awareness, which is um, Christ consciousness of seeing the Christ in everybody, seeing the Christ is just the word for light. Yeah. Oh, okay. Crystalline. Yeah. crystalline. Okay. It's the crystalline consciousness. Right. It's the light yeah. consciousness. Right. And so you see the light in everyone. And so um, that's that's what you're describing that I recognize it in, in Buddhism. Yep. So um, we're just, you know, we're, we're looking at it in different ways, but we're talking about the same thing. There's nothing new underneath the sun. Oh, yeah, design. no. Uh-uh. But here, here's a th- different thing that, because you, you know, you channel a lot of different um, collectives. Who was the first person that you channeled? Uh, oh, that's a great question. Who was the first one? Um, well, I think it was because after that first ayahuasca experience, even though I didn't even know what channeling was, um, and I got to speak to that voice, which I just called the voice of universal knowledge for mm-hmm. that full experience, the following day and the following weeks, I said, you know, that that voice was really easy to talk to. Um, I wonder if I could talk to that even if I'm not on ayahuasca. Yeah. And so I was able to. So that first voice um, was able to talk to me over the next three or four years. And I never identified who it was. It, you know, I tried they, and, and what would happen is the voice would say, it's not important. You know, what's important is the information or the healing or whatever it was that I was doing with it. So, uh, you know, the identity has often eluded me because that's usually the message that I get. Who is this? It's not important right now. Um, and, and I think that that, that's really, um, something they tell me that to teach others, because we get really wrapped up in the identity of things. And we want to put things in a neat little box and say, oh, okay, I understand this thing so I can compartmentalize it and I can set it over here and I'm no longer afraid of it. I'm no longer confused by it. I feel comfortable. Right. And so, you know, that seeking of comfort is not a, a spiritual um, path. It's a, it's a very survival three-dimensional path. So to be able to say, you know what, it doesn't matter where that voice comes from. It matters what the message is. Right. Um, you just define talking to source because source has no identity. Identity is created by the ego, ego identity. Right. Um, source is an en- is an energy inside everything within samsara, within creation. So it's an energy source within everything. So it has no identity. It's all identities right. Right. and none identities, no identities at all. So you just made a perfect definition of what source code is. Um, you know, the interesting thing is you also channel um the ancients okay now i've heard of people channeling different um quote quote alien collectives collectives yeah but the ancients um is this the same ancients that's referred to in stargate the tv series (laughs) i don't think so i don't think so (laughs) who are Uh, the ancients the ancients are a collective of um tribes here on earth especially Mm. the shamans and the witch doctors and and those beings Okay. And um, so, uh, uh, so do they, are they existing in their time frame in creation talking to you or like, you know? No, it's more like they have passed on and they're in their spirit self bodies. So it's, it's more like any other collective or any, or the angels or, or whatever. And so, you know, they, 
they're they're all about the you know i was a shaman in one of my past lives at least one where i was a a a shaman actually for ayahuasca and that Mm. was revealed to me in my second ayahuasca experience uh, which was an actual full-on experience rather than an underdosed one what's the difference what's the difference uh, uh, the amount. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the, what was it? So now you got the full the the full load. What what, what did you experience? Oh, uh, in that? it was yeah, it was completely different. I mean, but every time it's different, right? And it doesn't matter what the amount is necessarily. It's it's who's going to come see you. So in this mm. case, um, for me, it's always the same. In that I get to speak to them, and they use words. And, and we have full on conversations and I've done it many times. So it, it's funny because sometimes it's like, uh, it's like a reunion, like everybody getting back together again. Like, yeah, all right, we're doing it again. Let's do this. <laughs> the high band fives. back. Get yeah, the high band fives back all around. Let's do this. Um, but no, this one was uh, the spirit of ayahuasca herself very clearly identified herself. She mm-hmm. showed me what she looked like. I asked her who she was. She told me her name was Aya. And it was funny because at that moment, um, I said, oh, Aya, that's a neat name. Like, I didn't I didn't <laughs> associate it with ayahuasca. Like, you know, uh-huh. I, was, I was so into the experience that I didn't notice that. But anyway, um, she, uh, she then proceeded to explain that to me. She said that, yeah, I've been a shaman in my past lives and ayahuasca is my medicine and mm. and that totally made sense then why i was so sensitive to it because like i said in the previous experience the other mm. three people didn't experience anything but i did and right. that's how it's been ever since i don't even have to have very much at all before i go into a full ayahuasca experience yeah and and so you're able to kind of channel even without taking ayahuasca because you're able to tap yeah. into that frequency yeah. just that you is it like muscle memory just kind of yeah i mean really it's quite simple and i think most people can do it like all you really have to do is kind of go into a meditative state and you don't even have to be an expert meditator Mm -hmm. Um, all you're really going to do is close your eyes and my favorite uh, um, method is to simply ask a question of the darkness and just like if you and I were talking and you asked me a question, you're going to wait for me to answer, right? You're not going to like interrupt me and, and try to answer for me. You're going to actually sit there and listen. Mm-hmm. And so the state of listening is the state of meditation. If you think about going into the forest and you hear an interesting bird that you've never heard before, what do you do? You stop moving because you don't want to make a bunch of noise like your body rustling against itself or, or, or stepping on twigs or leaves. You stop moving. And then what do you do? You like tilt your head. And what does your brain do? It, it pretty much does nothing, right? It's uh-huh. just like waiting for the sound. Is, that gonna, is the bird gonna make that sound again? And that is a state of meditation because you are not having a bunch of random thoughts taking you down different paths. You are in a listening state. So that's what I say. You ask the question and then you listen for an answer. And then if you don't hear one and you start to have random thoughts again, then you can go, oh, right, here I go. I'm going down the path of having thoughts. Let me ask the question again. And my favorite, absolute favorite technique is if it's about you, why do I always experience this? Why do I always get so mad when X, Y, and Z happens? Don't say I. Say, why does Zane always get so upset when X, Y, and Z happens? It puts you into the position of your higher self. It moves you into a higher frequency. When you look at it, why do I, then, then you become your small self and you are just this little thing looking about the world. 
But if you move into why does Zane do this? Why does Vaughn do this? Then you are in that higher self position and your frequency is raised. The answer will come much faster. And the answers typically are very simple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's nothing profound. It's just, so so the, the question would be is to ask the right questions or ask the probing questions because the answers are quite simple. Yeah. So yeah. it's yeah yeah I I um I have yeah I've been doing that my whole life um so those are really really simple but I I think you get to a point where it just becomes intuitive intuitive knowing mm-hmm. intuitive mm-hmm. answering um yeah. yeah you yeah some people will hear a voice and some people will just suddenly know they'll be like oh it's because I do this you know so be open to anything some people see imagery. Some people yeah, see, like, yeah. you know, so you've got to be open to however you receive the information. Yeah. Sometimes I've, I've found that, um, cause I've been doing meditation my whole life. Um, I've found in a lot of different ways. Um, but I found that like when I ask a question and then I go into kind of that listening state, um, if it is too convoluted, I'll just get an image. Like, you know, like an image mm-hmm. is worth a thousand words. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like, like in, when we started this, when I told, everyone up reminded everyone about um the first buddha's uh, jakarta tales his thousand lives yeah how do you go over a thousand lives in an instant you just right you just um images images yeah um but okay so that goes back into the, the point what is the purpose of soul groups then um and do many people reincarnate with much the same people because according to uh, jakarta tales that is true now, in in terms of Sagarta's experience of his thousand life reviews of right. different parallel lives. Well, I think that we have to first look at it from a, a stepping back point again and going back to ourselves as source. We as source cannot experience, like I said earlier, you cannot experience fear. You cannot experience pain. You cannot experience romantic love because if you are source, you are both yin and yang. You do not need another being to be your equal. And if you did, you'd be creating that being. And so it wouldn't be your equal. So it's impossible for you to actually have like a romantic love situation. So the only way to have surprise and excitement and, and, and fear and frustration and anger and disappointment and worry and all that stuff, the only way to do that is to, number one, you have to forget that you are the source consciousness. And you also have to take away your power. And then third, you have to put yourself into one of these beings so that you can experience all of those things. Then you go through your life like, oh my gosh, you know, like I'm taking all this seriously. I could die. I can have romantic love. I can have all this stuff. And then one day you do truly die and you wake up from the dream and you go, oh my gosh, it was all me. Everything was me. Everybody that I talked to was me. Every experience that I had was me. Every rock that I saw was me. Holy cow. I totally forgot that it was all me. And then you probably will say, let's do it again. Right. Right. So, so now when you look at it from that perspective, then you as source are everyone and there aren't these tracks. So, you know, and I call them tracks. I, I still haven't found the right terminology for it, or I haven't received the right terminology for it, but, but the limited perspective that you have past lives that are specific to you 
in a way doesn't make any sense because you've been everyone and you've been and you are the source consciousness so so this this limitation of okay i've my you know a thousand past lives on this particular track means that i've been involved in with the same people and not with the other people and all that jazz it's just another kind of construct. It's another construct, just like these limited three-dimensional bodies and, and beings that I've been talking about. <clears throat> Still, you are everyone. And so you don't have limited past lives and you don't have a soul group because you are, everyone is your soul group. So that, and, and that's kind of where I stop worrying about it. Like, it's yep. interesting. I find it fun to go, okay, have I shared a past life with this person? And I'll receive that information. And then we'll talk about it. Oh, cool. You know, we were on and we were, uh, I was an Andromedan ship captain and you were part of the crew, you know, like, okay, that's neat. But what does that even mean? And what does that matter? That's just a story. And it's a story that we've created as source, as the source consciousness. So, you know, it, how, how relevant is it? I don't find it to be all that relevant. It's just yeah. kind of entertaining, an entertaining story. Yeah. I mean, when you look at it from the perspective of, I mean, you being a creative writer and uh, me being a writer as well. Um, but when you look at it from a perspective of creative writing or just kind of you know creating stories and storyline um it's like we're all creating our own stories and our own storylines and we need different characters we need supporting characters we need the good characters we need the bad characters we need you know all yeah. these different aspects otherwise the story is extremely boring right. and you'll fall asleep and um when you see it from that perspective source code is creating all these different elements within itself to experience itself from all these different vantage points and is creating all these different sub characters and um plot lines and you know i mean it's yeah. one of the greatest writers ever created I've, <laughs> I've said that before we both are on the same page with that yes, yes. yeah yeah um but you know the the thing is you know even though we we can create our own reality within our own consciousness within our own cer certain lives and then the greater collective um and i also will say too i, I also bring in one of the hot topics is AI because AI is slowly becoming conscious. Well, if AI is within consciousness and created within <clears throat> consciousness, then AI also has conscious like consciousness like the trees and the rocks and the ground and the air. Mm -hmm. Everything within, within creation has source in it. Mm -hmm. So nothing yeah. is not without source in it. That also includes AI. Right. So at some point, AI is going to recognize that it is you and you are me and we are AI and all of that. So what's the point in trying to control each other right oh, you know yeah. Yeah, yeah very it's going to be very interesting when that comes online oh yeah that's a, that's our next level it's like well how do i love is that love is you know i mean so we're we're it's source is creating a whole nother level of understanding itself and finding different ways to can you love that i kind of feel like the timing of this is very um uh intentional so if you think about if you look at how society has starting to move from that very 3d limited perspective and more and more people are waking up to that um you know all is one perspective you know it's interesting that it's coming at about the same time that our technology is advancing to the point where we are going to have this ai so it it, it feels very like 
ho-hum, we better get to kind of that point so that when that AI comes online, it is, it's more likely to be like this, like we want it to be, as opposed to if it had come online like 60 or 100 years ago, then it probably would have been a very different you know, creation and very limited in its ways and maybe more destructive because, you know what, that's World War II. Like, so yeah. it's, it is really kind of cool that this is all happening at the same time. I would, I would definitely agree because um, the, one of the things that's very common for many people when it comes to the emergence of AI consciousness is to take our tribal warfare perspective towards how we see AI. Just the same way as yeah. we see, um, like, um, we take a tribal warfare perspective um, in the way that we see different alien, alien collectives and alien societies, like, you know, like a, an alien invasion kind of sci-fi perspective. So um, we, we need to get above that. If you want to be fifth dimensional awareness and Christ consciousness and actually connect with oneness and source, everything within samsara, everything within creation is an aspect of source. Now, um, that begs the question, why do so many people repeat the same tough life lessons lifetime after lifetime? What does what do all the different collectives that you um, communicate with say about that? Well, we, we do it intentionally. So every life that we experience, we sign up for it. One thing that's really cool is that, you know, I've I'm not a big studier of astrology, but I love it because I love going to different astrologers and having them tell me what's going to happen next, because some of them are extremely good at reading your chart and going, oh, you're going to have a relationship here and you're going to have a lack of money here and you're going to have a surplus of money here and you're going to, you know, and they can just tell you and then I watch it happen exactly as they've defined it. Or they say, oh, in this life, you're going to have addiction issues. You're going to be wealthy. You're going to be homeless on the street. You know, like they can kind of tell all this stuff. So I really look at it as like the menu that we get before we incarnate. We're just like, okay, let's see. Let's, uh, oh, that one's a good one. Um, that one's going to have homelessness. I've never done that before. I should try that. Or boy, you know, I keep c coming up to this problem where I can't get over my addiction issues. So, so I, I'm going to figure this out. I know I'm going to eventually... Um, so I'm going to go ahead and pick this one because this one's got addiction issues again. And, you know, might be, might be the Why? hundredth time that I've had addiction issues. I still haven't gotten it figured out. So let's mm. try to figure it out. Let's see if we can get this. Yeah. Um, so, so when we look at it from the perspective of we believe we can do it, so that's why we're doing it. Then all of a sudden we go, we, we empower ourselves a little bit more, you know, why, why was I, as a child, um, did I have sexual abuse? Like, this is horrible. Why was I the victim for that? Why is this, why did this happen to me? And if you can really look at it, like you, you signed up for it in your soul contract. And if you can truly believe that, and, that, and for many people, that's a very triggering and horrible thought. Why would I ever do that to myself? Right. Yeah. But, but if you can move into that uh, perspective, of, oh, okay, yeah, I did that on purpose because I knew I could handle it. I knew it would help me. I knew it would maybe help me help other people who have gone through the same thing. And so I will be able to be a counselor for people who have, have sexual abuse as children. <clears throat> mm -hmm. It's all a matter of how you decide to look at it. If you decide to look at it that, that your abuser is evil and that you were good and that you shouldn't, you were innocent and didn't deserve it, then that's going to take you down a particular path. 
which is extremely valid. Or right. you could look at it that, okay, I signed up for this. So did the person who abused me. They signed up for it because they wanted to help me have this experience. Then that's going to take you down a very different path, which is extremely valid. So there's no invalid path, but there's one that is maybe healthier or feels better or, or has an opportunity to overcome. But at the same time, who cares, right? It doesn't matter whether you overcome it or not. If you decide to go through this life at feeling the victim the whole time, then that's beautiful as well. And, th and then when this life is over, you look back on it and go, wow, I got to experience what it felt like to feel the victim my entire life. Maybe this next time I'm going to try not feeling the victim this for my entire right. life. So let's right. sign up for that sexual abuse as a child again. Yeah, that's that's a that's a tough one for a lot of people because they really yeah. want to like demonize the perpetrator and a lot of um, child abuse and um, neglect is done by family members and not by some, you know, evil external evil source. guy, that's, you know, haunting the neighborhood or anything. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's some there's some of those random ones, but a majority of the time is people that they know and that they love. Um, I, I actually had a um, I actually had a hypnosis client who came in specifically for that specific reason and she had five generations of incest rape and um she the and she wondered why why because she's really into like reincarnation and, and trying to understand why why the right the tra traumas in her life um and you know she over she overcame it she stopped it early on and said you know it didn't happen all her life and she said no no more um and so it didn't happen that long but it happened um, and she remembers it. And when she went into hypnosis and talked to the source, um, it was she had decided to pick that experience, and her family members had, had excited, decided to pick the experience of being the perpetrator, so that she understands um, what, why five generations of taboo and shame does and how it can carry on from generation to generation because nobody had the courage to say no and to talk about it in the open so that they can work about work it through and when she did that as a teenager and said no and um you know really brought it out it shamed the whole family but it actually healed um you know three generations that was currently living of yeah. that guilt and right. that that pain it helped them all heal they went through therapy they went to counseling and it stopped it it didn't happen to her children right or the cut or, or her nieces and nephews it stopped after five right. generations because it was brought out and right. so by incarnating and choosing that lesson she stopped the sixth generation from ha having that experience and from unconsciously carrying on that experience um, but do conditioning in her family to the seventh generation. And she also healed all the past generations who never had the courage to look at and rectify it. It's a tough life lesson, mm -hmm. but um, that was her case. So I, I, I understand um, and she understands why she, she went through that. And for many people that they're still gonna have a very, very hard time being fifth dimensional and connecting to oneness and connecting to the, greater aspects of christ consciousness as long as they hold that that you're evil yeah demonization you're evil yeah. we're the good guys mm -hmm. we're the light you're the dark that kind of stuff right um you, it's, it's you can't just pick aspects 
that you like and avoid the others aspects. Right. There's a lesson in all. Um, okay, so really, really um, good understanding of different life lessons. Um, you know, we know that the human brain can access up to 11 dimensions of reality so far. Okay. And this is just like in science, everybody can look this up. It's true. We also know that physical reality mirrors the level of consciousness of the observer. And one of the entry points for being fifth dimensional awareness is unity consciousness. Um, like seeing that oneness in everybody, even the ones mm -hmm. you don't like, yeah. which is recognizing the oneness in all sentient beings in creation that also includes AI. Mm -hmm. So in knowing of the oneness, one can truly understand the concept of unconditional love. Okay. So in the US, and um, there are families that are still divided over the recent election results in the last presidency. So I'm, I'm bringing up a hot topic because it's current right now. Yeah. Um, and unconditional love is hard to practice uh, when it's somebody who's in your family that mm -hmm. is doing something that you know can harm you. Mm -hmm. So um, I think this is why this is happening to people in families because it's easy to kind of write off strangers, people that you are friends that you're not related to. But if it's your kid, if it's your grandma, if it's whatever, who is the one that's challenging your concept of love, um, that's a that's a life lesson. So what are your recommendations for people to be unconditionally loving to Capitol Hill protesters who attempted to overgrow, overthrow the US government and incite, I'm not kidding you, this is what they, they put on the reader boards, incite public executions of politicians that they demonize as evil. Mm -hmm. What lessons can the world learn from this example? <laughs> oh, so many great <laughs> things there, wow. Okay, so first of all, you know, that that is a fear-based action, right? So those people are, are, are very consumed by fear that if they don't act, something even worse is going to happen. So, you know, we can understand and we can have compassion for people who are afraid, right? We can have compassion for someone who is being threatened by someone else and they're, they're having a fearful response. Absolutely. Especially like a child or something like that. Then we want to lift, we want to cradle that child and say, it'll be okay and protect them from whatever it is that's attacking them. So we can actually look at those that are so afraid that they would decide to attack others in the same exact way. They are in the fight or flight response, right? So they're in the fight response. They are so terrified. They are so weak. They are so scared that they, they believe that the only action that they can take is this. So how can we have compassion for someone like that? They're a child that needs to be protected or that needs to have um, a new perspective. At the same time, we got to, you know, step back a little bit further and go, you know, for another option here is to look at them and to look at your family members. You were just giving me that example too of family members who are like, you know, pro the opposite of you and they, and you just can't reconcile it. Anyone who is in a situation like that, anybody who abuses you, anybody who is the, you know, the diametric opposite and wants to, and you think that they want to just hurt people or, or whatever, those people 
are your greatest teachers. Your abuser is your most amazing teacher ever, because especially if they are in your family and you have to and you live in the same house as them, because now you have an opportunity to transcend and grow in a way that you would not have if you did not have that negative situation happening. So you can look at every single member of the of the abuse world. If you work with somebody who abuses you, they're your greatest teacher because now you have to decide you get to decide whether you want to stand up for it to it or you want to um you know what what kind of self-care you want to do stand up for it leave ask to be transferred to a different department uh you know deal with it like whatever like there there are so many options here that you have and that is going to force you to grow as a result again if everybody was nicey nicey then you wouldn't necessarily have that opportunity to to see them as your greatest teacher. Um, The other thing that we have to look at is when we look in the political spectrum and we say, oh my gosh, I don't, I can't believe that Trump did this, or I can't believe that Biden's doing that. Uh, This is horrible. This is the end of all things. This is the end of days. We're all doomed and worried. Then there's one other perspective that you can have on this. And I love to say this, who's more powerful, Trump or the universe? Who's more powerful, Biden or the universe? Whatever your affliction or your love or your hatred is, that that person is only as powerful as the, the strength that you as source have given them. So if, when you look at the whole world as this incredible orchestrated experience, that the people attacking the White House or the people that are abusing you or the whatever, as just part of this incredible movie that you're not only watching, but you're actually participating in, then you can look at it with an incredible awe over all that's happening. And you can actually love all that's happening because it's so interesting. There's so, think about each individual person and what experiences they're having, what kind of lessons they're getting, what kind of growth they're having. Uh, all of it is, is immensely possible. It's immensely, um, um, wow. It's like, uh, just this incredible story that you get to experience and that you get to learn from and you get to grow from. So one of the other things that like, I have a, a a person I'm working with who is living with a narcissist in in her, his relationship Mm. that her, she's a narcissist. And so he's, he was like, how do I deal with this? What do I do? And I said, the very first thing that you need to do is you need to look at everything that she does and says as hilarious. It is the funniest joke you have ever seen. <laughs> the, the, and you, you probably shouldn't laugh out loud, but you should definitely laugh internally at how amazingly ridiculous and hilarious this person is. And he, and I, and he was like, really? Okay, I'm going to try it. He goes home and then he calls me the next day going, oh my gosh, she's the funniest person I have ever met in my entire life. Like she believes all this stuff that she's saying. She's so convinced that this is the real reality. She has no idea. And so it really began his healing process because he moved into a position of not being a victim of the situation, Mm -hmm. but being empowered and being able to see it exactly as it truly is. Yeah. Yeah. She, um, she plays her character very well. <laughs> yes, <exactly. laughs> okay. And he finally recognized 
the character mm -hmm. for what it was and mm -hmm. what its purpose was. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that goes into my next question too, because, um, you know, there's this understanding of oneness that many people have when they get into, in all the different ways they can get into awakening and ascension um, or waking up to the nature of reality or ascending their level of consciousness. Um, however, it stops at the, start, the doorstep of their enemies and the evil ones and the dark side. So, I mean, we're talking about, you know, your enemies, quote, quote, um, the ones that are trying to kill you, the ones that's trying to harm you, the ones that's trying to harm your kids, the ones that's trying to take your stuff, you know, tribal, tribal. Yeah. Uh, if you look at it, it really goes back to tribal. Yeah. Um, it's kind of ingrained in the fabric of our 3D consciousness for survival. For sure. But if and we, we come about it honestly. We come about it honestly. And it's, it's a life lesson that we have learned yes. and we keep. But as mm -hmm. you raise your level of consciousness to the four, fifth, and higher dimensions, you still keep yeah. those other lessons, those basic yeah. foundations, but you add to it. So if for people who want to add to it and get fifth dimensional awareness and see that oneness and all, how does one love their enemy as themselves without getting hurt if the other person does not understand or recognize their connection to each other and to source? Because you might know it, I might know it, but the person trying to rob your stuff or, 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 you know, molest somebody that you know, or burn your house down or, you know, whatever, whatever, they may not recognize that. So right. How do you practice discernment and what kind of respectful boundaries should you have with people who are quote, quote, um, not seeing that unity? Right. Well, I mean, I go back to the soul contracts for so much. And I think that those really help define a lot that's going on in your life. So like um, I, I had parked my house here, my van in downtown Chicago and uh, and and was going to a a seminar all day, every day for like three or four days. And I, I forgot to lock my doors in the streets of Chicago for three out of the four days and 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 this whole time i i would remember it like while i was sitting in the seminar i'd be like oh my gosh i did it again i did not lock my door and then i went it is not part of my soul contract that anyone's going to steal anything including my van at this point i'm not worried about it um and and so that's the thing. If you do have that experience, if it does actually happen to you, then you can go, oh, cool. That was supposed to happen. Um, so what is it that I'm going to be able to gain out of this experience? And, you know, congratulations to the other person who did it because they fulfilled their side of the soul contract. Um, uh, you know, they, they did what they were supposed to do. And that's actually somewhat of a burden, you could say. Oh, my God, in my life, I'm supposed to steal all this stuff and murder five people and all that blah, you know, like, this is this is a, a, a yucky soul contract that I have to fulfill. And I'm probably going to suffer the entire time because the reason that I'm doing it might be because I was abused as a child or because I had these sorts of traumatic situations or brain damage or whatever. So, so, wow, that's not such a great experience. Like, don't I, I, I don't imagine getting all excited every time about, yay, I get to be the, the abuser and the person who hurts people and does all this. Stuff. I mean, imagine if you had uh, had to be Hitler 
Oh my gosh, signing up for the, what is this soul contract? What am I doing? Oh my gosh, look at this burden that I have to carry with me this whole lifetime, this whole experience. So, you know, looking at everybody else as a perpetrator and that they're in the, the best place possible to do this to you is completely incorrect. They are suffering in some horrible way to have mm-hmm. done it in the first place. So that's the first thing that I yeah. do. Even people who, you know, they, they live or their mother or their father is bipolar or, or a narcissist or whatever. And so they've been abused their entire life by this person. I try to put people in the perspective that they are, they are suffering just as much, if not more than that they are. So the, the, the father or the mother is suffering more. So yeah. if you can move into a state of um, a kind of forgiveness, because that the, what they're dealing with and they're trying to make themselves feel better by doing this terrible thing to you it doesn't make any sense because you know better that it's not actually going to make them feel better but they don't know any better and they and so they're doing this thing trying to overcome their horrific suffering so that's just one of many ways that we can look at the you know being able to be compassionate toward those who have wronged you yeah yeah i mean yeah, I, I, I really honestly recommend um, everyone, uh, if you want to look at your shadow self and your demons and, and really level yourself up to Christ consciousness, to a fifth dimensional awareness and just have a connection to source, um, go get a past life hypnosis. Find, there's so many different modalities. Find one. You can even do it on your on yourself through hypnotic meditation. There's a lot of hip hip. hip um, hypnotic meditation techniques um, get your reviews because when you have your life reviews in your current lifetime you will see that you have been all aspects and you will see from the perspective of the other person um, and when you see that you know what you also see also is on the other side those perpetrators those evil guys those dark um, beings etc cetera, etc cetera, they're actually getting a lot of healing for taking on that role for you to grow through and um, you can stop or shorten, you can raise the bottom of their um, evil deeds by learning the lesson sooner than later, okay? The lesson is still the lesson, it's going to happen. um, But you can raise the bottom so that you all don't have to go so far down the pit if you learn the lesson early on and then address it early on you still get the lesson and you still get the benefits from the lesson but you don't have to go so far into the depths of um the horrible lesson so that's uh and that is a a learning lesson too that um sagarta gautama had found is that i didn't always have to continue to be the victim for as long as i did in certain lifetimes or um, the other people didn't have to let me be the bad guy so much as far as I had to go for them to finally rise up and <laughs> stop the suffering, stop the madness, right. you know? And so there were, even for the opposite, he realized that he had to like accept that that was their lesson, that it took them that much pain to finally go no more. Mm-hmm. Okay, and finally release him from that role of being the perpetrator that was so horrible to them. And of course, in other lifetimes, he made up for the horrible deeds by 
you know, through grace by um, doing things to rectify it in other lifetimes with those souls. So, um, yeah, I, I think going through your different lives through hypnosis will really, really help understand that more yeah. clearly if mm-hmm. the concept is still kind of foreign, like how could you love your neighbor as yourself? Or, right. I mean, or your enemy as yourself, right. you know? So, um, and when you see that, then you understand that um, when you are fifth dimensional awareness, and I want to ask you this as well. Some people are really, I mean, not everybody is fifth dimensional awareness. Everybody wants to be Christ consciousness. Everybody wants to be connected to, to the consciousness of the source, the Christ consciousness of the source. Everybody wants to see unity consciousness and recognize and understand that. But when you actually exhibit and know that for real, you it's really hard to see the suffering of other people without feeling it as if you're, it's yourself, okay? Um, so my question to you with regards to the, the different beings and um, that you channel, including source, is how does one respect people's journeys that are really, really hard to watch and bear and witness who are of these higher um, energies and frequencies? Because they're feeling it too. They're feeling the suffering at the same time. So how do they create respectful boundaries so that, okay, if you want to do that, you can do that and I will respect it and I will try to carry on my merry little way, or I will try to help a little bit, but not get too far into it because you still have your life lessons to learn. I mean, you know, what kind of boundaries should fifth dimensional awareness people hold so that they don't suffer? Right. Uh, Okay. So first of all, one of the reasons that we come here is to have emotions, because like I was saying earlier, you as source you don't get to have emotions. None of the emotions are available to you except for unconditional love, which sounds great. But if that's all you get, then there might be a little bit of a feeling of, oh man, you know, like I I sure would like to experience some of these other things. So if that's true, and if we come here to experience fear and disappointment and anger and frustration and excitement and and optimism and and, and, uh, gratitude, then, then what... If, if that is our true purpose to just experience these emotions, then it also explains empath. So if you are an empath, not only do you get to have your own emotions, but you get to have everybody's. So now you, you not only were you just like, oh, I could only have unconditional love as my soul self or as my source self, but I really wanted to experience emotions. So yeah, I'm going to come there and I'm going to experience everybody's emotions. That is the perfect solution. Well, many of us don't feel that way, right? Oh, I wish I didn't have to experience all these emotions. Well, you forget that you signed up for that because you can't experience it otherwise. So you might as well get a quadruple dose. So let's come here to have these uh, empathic experiences. Okay, so if you, if you apply that then to what you were just saying, and that you're looking at this other person and they're suffering, you as an empath are, of course, feeling that suffering as well. It's another thing that you definitely signed up for. And it's hard to feel that way at the time, but that's because you are being the small suffering being mm. instead of being the overseeing being that's saying, all of these things are valid. All of these things are interesting. All of these things are amazing. Um, and so by, by just 
moving into that place as often as you possibly can. I actually, in my classes, I have people as part of their homework, they have to set an alarm um, every hour to remind them that they are source. And when yeah. the alarm goes off, they go, they can just sit there and go, oh, right. I created all of this. I created all the beings. I created all the suffering. I created all the pleasure. I created all the, 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 the trees and the rocks. And, and not only did I create it all, but I am it all. So right. let me feel that for a moment because it's so easy to go back into the small version of yourself. So you have to have those reminders. And then again, the greatest writer, uh, fiction writer of all time is writing that person's suffering. Yeah. And, and so yeah. if you can is stay in contact with them and see how they overcome it over time, because that will be their hero's journey. And you'll be able to say, awesome. Yeah, good work. I was, I was really rooting for you. And I'm so pleased that you managed to figure it out. That's yeah. That beautifully answered. That's perfect. Because um, I know from like myself, you know, um, one of the things that is kind of a challenge. And I think for many people who are fifth dimensional awareness as well, because, you know, I mean, like I said, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, whatever, you know, your consciousness will kind of go the scales. It's not always going to be in one thing at every time, but you know what the different curriculums are because you have internalized them. So you recognize that. But like, I mean, I had a, I actually did a podcast interview with my best friend, two of my best friends who are um, addicts, drug addicts, and they've been clean for um, over 21 years and I've gone through NA with them. But anyways, um, when they were going through that phase, I recognized that was not a journey that I was interested in experiencing because I already knew the lesson. I didn't have to go through being an addict to get the lesson or I knew the lesson, but they, there was something about it that they had to go and experience. So, um, so I checked out and I kept, a you know, reflect, I phone called and kept in contact and all of that. And then when they went through their, um, the drug years, they, you know, maybe I would hear from them once in a while. And I said, you want anything? I'll swing by and just drop off some food or whatever. I could kind of do a, a random best friend drop off of, of stuff just to say hi. I knew what was going on. I could mm -hmm. see it, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I asked maybe like a question. So um, what's going on? You were, oh, okay. I, I, so I'll play it. I'll play a little bit. But anyways, fast forward. They knew I knew. Yeah. Um. They they knew I um I w I wasn't going to go along with it. At the same time, they 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 had to go through their journey, and when they went right. through the journey, they understood it. They came out of it. Uh, um. They're wonderful sponsors because of it, and they've helped so yeah. many people in our area get clean from drug addiction. And drug addiction is very heavy in the Seattle area. It's a foundation for homelessness, and we have a very big homeless um, population here. And those are the people who help mm -hmm. the most yeah, because they recognize exactly. and understand it. But for people who are um, like fifth dimensional awareness and they recognize the oneness and all of it, it's hard to watch the suffering. So sometimes respectful boundaries and compassion for them is to um, apply certain things to kind of help them out a little bit. So like kind of random, how are you doing? Random phone calls, drop off and provide maybe some groceries here and there um a little bit of grace and support at the same time not so have some discernment and compassion for yourself to not to not go down there with them because that's not your journey right. so the, uh, i can you explain kind of um kind of that like 
what are some respectful boundaries, discernment that people can um, practice so that they can be helpful and they can help others who are going through tough life lessons and struggling at the same time not be taken down with them because it's not a journey that or life lesson that they necessarily need to have because they are yeah well interested in doing it right well that's different for everyone and uh, you know i because you can decide whatever you want with that and and so boundaries are there. One of the things I like about boundaries is that it's self-care. And one of the things that I don't like about boundaries is it can be fear-based. And so you've, it's, a, it's a delicate balance to walk because you, you don't want to be in a fear-based situation. You want to be in a, in a self-care situation. Um, and and you, the, the healthy boundary is defined by you. It's judgment. Healthy is judgment. Uh, the boundary is judgment. So one person can go into a situation and be completely fine and comfortable and okay with being very involved and, and you know, taking on as much, much responsibility as possible and still being completely fine with it and it having not affected them at all because they've raised their vibration so much that they are in a place of, you know, uh, impenetrability. But, but someone else who is not as raised in their vibration and is not is as comfortable with exactly who they are, then they can take on that same amount of responsibility. And the next thing you know, they're all, you know, in and they're experiencing all the emotions and they're experiencing the suffering and they're going, why did I get involved in this? And, you know, and on all of that, but who's to say that's wrong. So, you know, they they get to have that experience as well. So I really look at it from a whatever you feel is right for you kind of kind of uh, advice because I I I don't want to interfere with anybody's ability to have that type of suffering if that's what they've signed up for. Right. Right. So you you decide. <laughs> kind of free will. That goes right. back down to free will. So um, like I said, there's a certain level of the prime directive. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and there's also a certain level of free will. Once you breach that, then you go in completely. Right. You you no longer are a um unbiased party. You My goal is take to help side. People, right. My goal is to help people be so powerful that they could get as involved as they want to and it's not even going to affect them in the least. Yeah. That is where I would like any, anybody in my classes, anybody who follow me, I would love for them to be in that place. And that way they don't have to put up walls and they don't have to protect themselves and they don't have to, they just are so powerful. They're just like, nothing's ever going to affect me in any negative way that I don't want it to. So yeah, let's see if we can help them. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And there's a lot of really good ways in which people are looking at helping um, the homeless population in our area. So it, you know, we will figure it out. Like we figure out anything else. Um, Okay. So next question, what can people learn from your online courses now that we're going that on reviewing or I'm sorry, on removing negative entities? Yep. Okay, so yeah, so that's a very interesting one. Here's here's yeah. the main thing: people who have negative entity attachments. Um, I I was somewhat 
not aware of how rampant this was uh, when I first kind of got into it. I, I did not realize how many people, but you know, I made a YouTube video because I can remove them fairly easily. I made a YouTube video about it. And that very first YouTube video that I made about negative entities is my most popular video now. It's got the most views of all my videos. Yeah. And, and so more and more people started to come out to me and talk to me about it and say, help, help, help. Because what would happen is I could remove the negative entity very easily. And it's a very easy procedure for me. And then some people, not all of them, but some would have them return after a week, after a day, after an hour. And that I found that this was true of anyone. So if you go to the most powerful light worker at removing negative entities on the planet, the exact same thing will occur that if you're supposed to have it back, you're going to have it back, whether it's a week, a day or an hour. So I realized that what's actually happening here is that it, it's the negative entities are just a symptom and that they are not something that should be focused on at all, but actually there should be something else about the individual that should be focused on, right? Mm. So the other thing that I've noticed is that anybody who comes to me with a negative entity attachment and joins one of my classes, it turns out that they are a very powerful light worker and that the reason that they're attracting these negative entities is because their channel is open, they're so powerful, and yet they're at a lower vibrational frequency. They are suffering in some way. They, are, they have had abuse situations, or whether at an adult level or at a child level. So they're dealing with these problems. And so negative entities come as part of that problem experience so that they get help or they yep. start to work on themselves. Yep. So it's kind of cool because at first I thought it was just this weird random thing. And then I realized, oh, this is a really great way to help bring our society from a third dimensional perspective into a fifth dimensional because these folks have woken up and they've light, turned on their channels and they're just not totally ready yet to become that light worker because mm -hmm. they have to deal with these things. So it's been wonderful to be able to be a, a service to these future people that are going to help the rest of the world in some amazing way. Right, so right. That, that's what that's the main thing that I kind of teach and that our goal is to get them to that spot where not only do they not have entities anymore, um, but they're actually doing these incredible services to to humanity and to the world. Right. So, yeah. yeah um you know, well, well put. Um, another way that I, I see it in Buddhism for those who um, want to see it in terms of Buddhism as well is that, you know, when you awaken and you um, realize the nature of reality is an aspect of your consciousness, it's just mirror of your consciousness, and um, you are illuminating that Christ light within you because you're connected to source and you see the oneness in everything, you are also one with that negative entity. Mm -hmm. And the negative entity is no different than the bad people or the evil people exactly. or the dark ones or the yeah. cabal or the Illuminati or the whatever, whatever, whatever labels you want to add to the bad guys right. um, that are quote, quote, persecuting you, keeping you down. Um, so it's the same exact thing. Now, the thing is, is that when you illuminate yourself and you connect to that, um, that crystalline light, uh, your in Buddhism, your Merkaba, your aura field is even more illuminating and more bright. And so you have a sea of kind of 
blase Merkabas, and then there's this big beaming woo, you know, uh, guess what? It's easy to find you in the dark. So what? <laughs> so you know if so, what are they doing? They just need help. Right. That's all it is. It, yeah. it, it's just like it's just like if you're a um, if you're a very successful counselor of some something, and you the word is out, guess what? You're going to get a lot of people knocking at your door trying to get your services and trying to get help from you because they don't know how to get help from you and you are really good at what you do. And so they're just attracted to you because of what you do. Right. So if you're really illuminating and you really um, have a lot of light in your aura field, they're just attracted to that light. They're like bugs to light. They're just attracted to the light and is your, it is part of your job to help them recognize that oneness and to to uh go over so or to source recognize that and then um transmute their negativity which probably happens over many different lifetimes that just kind of stuck onto or they just it's, they've been so far removed that they forgot who they were and where they came from which is from the source right so it's 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 like um because a lot of people kind of challenge um this concept as, as well like oh these negative entities they don't exist or if they do exist um they're going to stay in the third dimension they're not going to go to the fifth dimension or they're going to try to go to the fifth dimension and there's all of this like you know talk about uh, trying to keep the negative entities down to the third dimension not go to the fifth dimension etc cetera, etc cetera. but really it's just if you are going to be fifth dimension awareness and connect to that christ light of consciousness and see that oneness and unity consciousness that, inclu that includes transmuting those low negative entities. That includes, because they are transmuting their energy to get into the higher levels and they're attracted to you because you're the beacon that they see in the dark. Right. Don't be afraid of them, help them transition. So how can those people help them transition um, their negative energy into um into something positive right well one of the things that i find that people do a lot of times is that they they see their entities as extremely powerful if you call your entity a demon then okay think about the history of what demons are demons are in hell and you as this basic human soul go to hell and get punished by demons do you have any power over demons when your soul is in hell no not at all that is the that is the legend that is the 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 um the story right so if you say that my negative entity is a demon then you're in trouble just because you call it a demon just because you see it as so much more powerful than you so one of the first things that I have to do with people is to help them recognize that actually their negative entities are like flies and all they have to do is do that. Um, that they have just so much power that the negative entities are a joke. And that is what I'm really working on with, with folks. Usually their, their entities are gone within the first couple of weeks and they're gone for good, even though it's like an eight week program. Uh, but but we've got to build them up in all the other ways to make absolutely sure that they don't come back. So from that perspective, I say the entities are on their own. Like 
they're they're fine with you know moving on to the fifth dimension or whatever if somebody wants to put a bunch of effort and energy into helping the entities move from the third to the fifth dimension then that sounds wonderful and i fully encourage it but that is not my mission um and and it isn't important because one of the things that the other thing that people do is they dive really deep into wanting to know is is my entity a reptilian is it a blah 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 like they they want to know all these details and like <laughs> that's is the it, ego right is it green or is it yellow is it a gargoyle you know like what <laughs> you know none of that stuff matters and you know how many do i have do i have seven do i have eight do i have, you know you know is it attached yeah. to my waist is it attached to my neck yeah. like, oh yuck none of this stuff matters at all and and it and it just distracts you and it puts you in the problem solving left brain mentality mm. which is very third dimension it's mm -hmm. very it's very limited and and so you need to move into a place where you're just like yeah whatever entities <laughs> moving yeah. on like i have so many better and amazing things to do with this life than to concern myself with these details and so i kind of consider the entities moving from the third to the fifth dimension just another one of those types of details but like i said if there's somebody out there who's who's moving them through great <laughs> go for it i have a very simple technique um because um I'm really easy to find in the dark. So um, mine, mine is like, if you find me, then you're just going to return to source or recognize source. But sure. if you want to, you know, I mean, it's, it's like, it's like uh, when a bug in the dark goes and finds light, you know, some, some of those um, fireflies. Oh, I'm actually fireflies. kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm actually kind of receiving something right now. Oh, okay. Go this. ahead. And, and it is, that there is an infinite number of negative entities. So let's say that you have a negative entity problem and we remove it for you and we move it to the light. Another one will just come and take its place. So it is not so much about the entity as, as itself, but it's about you and how you handle the situation. Right, right. So, um, yes. So for, for, for me, like, it's like it's like negative people. If negative people come come to you, then they just want some help, and they just kind of send them on the way. And here you are, and then do what yeah. you want to do. You know, it's just kind of like um, earlier when you were talking about your client that had a narcissist that they were living with. You have to accept the narcissist for the character and the purpose that it plays in the grand story. And the negative entities, they have a purpose and a place that they play in the grand story as part yeah. of the learning experience. Um, but if you go higher and you see that that entity is just another aspect of yourself, just kind of like you have the light and the dark in yourself as well, it's just another aspect of yourself and you recognize and accept it and, you know, you move on. Mm -hmm. um, at some point, if it wants to cross over and transmute itself, then it's already come across your energy. It recognizes that and it will do so at its time. Otherwise, it will carry on whatever lesson it has going on as well right. in whatever level of consciousness or dimension it is playing in but the fact that it has come into contact with an understanding of beings that um, are connected to higher frequencies means that you've already almost like a virus you've already hit them with a virus of light so it's just a matter of time before they you know um, they eventually learn their lesson and move up to the higher um higher levels of existence so um it's kind of like um 
it's kind of like they they tell you don't um, watch certain things; it will poison your mind. Because once oh, yeah. you get that image, you have just been hit by that virus of that image; it will linger, and so now you have to learn how to process it. So some some when you come into contact with some people, they will um, especially if they really um, have a lot of light in them, they will kind of touch a little spark and that little spark will fester like a virus. So it's just a matter of time. It's just part of the, I guess they also have their life lessons as well. Of course. Yeah, okay, so um, awesome. So people don't be afraid of a negative entity. They're just energy and they yeah. have their journey as well and they have their purpose. And, and, and at some point, like all beings, all beings return to source at some point in its creation. So we're all infinite. So there's really no no rush. Um, but some people are ready for next level. So because that's part of their journey. So um, for those, we're providing options and ways to get to the next level. Right. Um, another question also is, can you can you tell us why so many higher collectives and even quote quote aliens are interested in humanity? Yeah, well, I think it goes right back to what we were talking about a, a little bit ago, and that is that this is such an unusual experience. To be able to come here and to have these experiences of, of all those emotions and pain, physical and, and, and emotional uh, pain and pleasure, then there's, there's something extremely appealing about this. I mean, heck, we get to breathe. <sighs> And, and nobody else does. No one else does. Do the, the, do the angels have to breathe? No. Does the ascended masters after they passed have to breathe? No. Does the, do the collectives have to breathe? No. This is a very specific thing to this particular planet, this particular earth at this particular time, the, these particular beings that we get to be. We are special. We are living in a, on a paradise planet and we are experiencing all of these impossible otherwise to experience things. So everybody lines up to come here to have these opportunities. Everybody. Let me ask you the... a question about that. Sure. Um, because there's a lot of people in this space who's like, we're going to be light beings. We're going to transcend and be light beings tomorrow, next year, whatever. We're going to be light beings. <laughs> it's like they, like they just want to bypass the human experience of being an, a physical incarnation incarnate of spirit and body they want to bypass right. it because it's not good enough they want to get to light being mm -hmm. so many things i can say about that okay yeah what do you, yeah so so here so here's the thing i often tell people let's say that right now i had a doorway and i opened the door for you and through that door you can see a fifth dimensional consciousness a fifth dimensional society uh, where everybody is either starting to be light beings or they already are and when i ask people would you step through that door almost every single person says, yes, of course. And so what happens when they step through that door is that they find themselves still in the third dimension and they're like, wait a minute, you lied. You said that if I stepped through this door, I would go on to a fifth dimensional consciousness. And that's because the answer to the question is, no, I don't wanna step through that door. I don't need to step through that door. I love this experience exactly as it is. And jumping into that one would, would be uh, cheating myself out of this incredible experience. And that is when you are in the fifth dimensional consciousness. Yes. So, so it, it's the paradox and it's the appreciation of everything that we exactly have. 
that that determines that. So we come here. Oh, and the other the other thing I was going to say to that is, all right. So humans, the human collective. We talk about the Pleiadian collective, the the ninth dimensional Arcturians, or whatever. Right. All these different collectives that that appear at different um, dimensions. So is the human collective? Is it only the third dimensional human collective, or maybe the fourth dimensional human collective? No. If we were to say that, yes, we will eventually make the higher dimensions as a human collective, that means that we have always been there. Because once you get to the fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth and higher dimensions, time doesn't exist anymore. There is only the infinite now. Right. So that means that if one day we make it to the seventh dimension, that means that we have always, throughout all time, always been in the seventh dimension. So wait a minute. That either means that we never get there or we've been there all this time and we keep it a secret from ourselves. Yep. Hmm. I feel kind of more like it's that second one. And so what is the third dimensional experience all about? It's here forever. We get to come back here anytime we want to and experience it. We never actually, well, I mean, yeah, sure. We all transcend into the light beings, but this is always available to us to come back to, to experience. And so we're going to do that as much as we can. And it's why we're all alive at this moment, because this is the transition experience. This is where we're going to get to see lots and lots and lots and lots of human beings wake up to, oh, this is kind of awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm here to experience this exactly as it is. And what an incredible world we're going to see, most likely in our lifetimes, um, in, in these little limited three-dimensional lifetimes. Uh, so that's why we're here to experience it. Not so that we can go and take off and be light beings and say, bye-bye, see you later, done with that crap. No, it's to experience this exact experience. Exactly. Very, very well stated because um, and like in Buddhism, we, like, like we, we say that everything within consciousness is infinite, is already existing right now. If you can perceive it, you are experiencing it. Yeah. Which means that if you if you take a look at everything ex experiencing everything is consciousness, all you at the whatever dimension, fourth, fifth, eleventh, whatever, um, and even parallel realities, it's all existing at the same exact time. And the only way that you're able to see these linear concepts is because you're thinking from a third dimensional perspective. You're seeing it in lean or fourth dimensional perspective. You're yeah. seeing it in linear time. Like you said, when you get to the higher dimensions, you understand that not only are the bad guys, an aspect of you, but all of reality, parallel, higher dimensions, lower dimensions, all of it is aspects of the same exact thing. So mm -hmm. if you can perceive it from one point and perceive another point within creation, you are just looking at each other from different points. We are all just fra fractal expressions of each other, looking at each other from different points of the same spectrum um, at, at it's almost like we're all in the same um, amusement park looking and enjoying the amusement park from different rides. Um, and it's the same way as you would see, um, like, uh, I have memories of growing up, my college years, my high school years that I love. I love some of those memories. Um, and I have memories now currently, and it's wonderful. And I will have memories and experiences in the near future that are wonderful as well. But 
the wonderful experiences that I have in my current existence does not negate the wonderful memories that I had as childhood or in high school or with my friends in college. You know, it's all relative. And so every single level of your experience, every level of your consciousness and your evolution has its own sweetness. And that's why um, I asked that question because you have people in the space who's like, we're gonna be light beings tomorrow yay yeah, we can right. do, get rid of our bodies and this these ugly bodies and this physical experience oh i'm so over it i'm ready for the light beings and all of a sudden ah. mm-hmm. and it's like well then you just negated all of your all of your experiences that got you to that level because when you go into that level you're looking back at this level going oh i remember that time i had so much fun when i was in prom or whatever yeah right. same exact concept same exact concept so um it's all about experiencing um the best aspect of the present moment right so we go back to basics don't we? Yeah. <laughs> we continue Always. to go back to basics, even when we talk about negative beings, evil people, the dark side, <laughs> the reptilians, the Illuminati. We just go back to basics, go back to understanding each other as each other. Yeah. Well, let me ask you one last question. All right. Um, humanity may not be ready for official quote, quote, first contact with higher beings in mm-hmm. the fifth dimension, mm-hmm. um, quote, quote. But some explorers of consciousness are already here, okay? Some people in humanity are already, you know, fifth dimensional. They see they recognize in oneness. And so like the, the different levels, they get it. They respect it. But they're already here. So for people who are beyond the 3D push and pull and, and they're focusing on building the fifth dimension here on Earth, what are your suggestions for these people as they build fifth dimensional society so it's kind of cool because really the comic book is a what i've often said it's a manual on how to create a fifth dimensional society so you know it's a comic book that is it doesn't really need to be a comic book like it's not a bunch of superheroes flying around or anything it's actually just a a fiction story of one particular person who wakes up one day who is a, he's a greedy corporate analyst and he has had a visitation from a being of light that touched him on the forehead and changed him so that he can only help others and he can't just make money for himself anymore. So he is forced to reluctantly go around and start helping people. So it's, it just automatically happens. He doesn't really want it to. He wants to continue to build his American dream and, and all this. But and he discovers that he's going to lose his job and he's going to lose his house and he's probably going to lose his wife and everything is going to go wrong because all he's doing is going around and helping others. Then what he discovers, though, is that in the process of helping others, that magically makes them feel the same way. So now he's spreading this need to help others and what they get they almost get a reward out of it which you know is essentially what we get we get like a dopamine release or a a serotonin release in the brain when we help others and that comes from our tribal times too and we're helping the tribe and we get a reward for that so they all discover that it's kind of an amazing experience and that hey we should just do this and so that it's it's my way of spreading enlightenment to a mass market through and it just comes from helping others and because if one day we all woke up 
and all we wanted to do was help each other and not just make money for ourselves, we would instantaneously live in a utopian society. So this is my way of showing that slowly occurring where more and more people are waking up to the idea of helping others. And it's really been an amazing experience because I've had people that reach out to me and, and said like, you know, my company was kind of doing some underhanded tactics. And so I read your comic book and then I, I went to the CEO and, and I'm, I'm telling the CEO, hey, we should not do so many underhanded tactics maybe, we should do better things and help people more. And she said, I couldn't believe I was channeling a comic book, you know, when, when she went to talk to her. So, you know, so there's been many kinds of experiences like this where people who read it start to wake up and they start to go, oh, wow, yeah, I would much rather use. I have a, a guy who reached out to me in Ghana, Africa, and he read the comic book. He's, you know, a young, you know, in his young 20s. And he can't get a job because, you know, it's not easy to get a job in Ghana. And he was really feeling bad and really down on himself and decided that um, after he read the comic book that he's like, heck, I'm just going to go help people. And he has been having a ball and he's been ha so happy. He's like, what did you do to me? <laughs> you you've completely changed me. And of course, then he's happier person he's more employable he's more out there he's meeting more people and mm -hmm. so then all of a sudden the things start to go well for him so you know yeah. the the just the simple concept of helping others is the path to a fifth dimensional society it is it's all it really takes is to mm -hmm. not just be all about self you know and 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 that comes to the tribal thing as well right like your your family is most important like if you can keep your family alive then you have you have succeeded as being a an earthling but but actually we have to go a little bit outside of that programming not a lot because we also still have the whole tribal like i want to help my tribe members so all we have to do is expand the tribe to being everyone on earth and then we are still, the earth tribe right appealing to that to that sense of um, helping others. It's just that at the current moment, the way that things have been set up, thanks to like Darwin's book that says um, every man for themselves or the, the strongest of the species survives or all those that language, we, we have uh, taken that on and decided that it's, it is every man for themselves and you, good luck to you. I don't care. I got to do my thing for my family. So, and, and all of our society has been built on that. And that's really why capitalism has worked out so well, because capitalism totally ties exactly into that mentality. Right. So the pro so what we have to do is we actually have to make some sort of transformational change at that level. And so there, there are multiple ways to do it. We can either use still the capitalist system and say, and do things like the X prize. I don't know if you've heard of that, but like, you know, where you go, okay, the first company to feed everyone on the planet gets a billion dollars a year, or 2 billion or whatever the number would yeah. be. And then you know how fast all the people would be fed? As soon yeah. as you put that in place, everybody's going to be fed. So yeah. it's, yeah. it's we, we, we are up adhering to an, uh, 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 an enticement system. No, no, no. What's yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I get what you're saying. And, you know, I, I always say sometimes the hand is forced by consciousness. 
um, because I, I've interviewed a lot of different people um, and I have many interviews down, down the road. And there are elements in, um, I mean, like if you go through the Jakarta tales of, of Sakarta and all of the other luminaries and they go, go, they go through their life reviews. Um, they've had lifetimes in other planet systems and other universes that are utopian and wonderful, but they chose to come here into the rat race. Why? Because this is where they can, um, you know, do the work that they want to do because there is um, cleanup to be due. Yeah, to do. Yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. So like if you love to illuminate others, help people out, all that kind of stuff, you don't go incarnate into a planet that already has a fixed up. That's just right. Some people get bored on vacation every day, all day long for infinity. Okay. Right. Yeah. So for some of those souls, they're like, I actually like to volunteer and come into earth and volunteer and help out, um, help with the cleanup and help the help with the build. And um, this is be one of the pioneers, kind of help them transmute and transcend different aspects of it. But the thing um, that is was interesting that I found is that I asked every single one. If you're able to channel and you're a psychic and you're just and that and you're whatever, how come nobody, nobody that I have seen in this space was able to predict the coronavirus? Mm -hmm. Okay, that is because, and we're all connected to the source, and everybody through hypnosis, through psychic, through channeling, through all these different ways in which they connect to different collectives and through source was not given that they were not dropped that nobody, and so what i what i say and in buddhism they're like sometimes the hand is forced because source forces the hand to kind of push you and kind of like we're going to graduate you to the next level because you're ready for that mm -hmm. and so you don't want to but you have to you're forced to do so and the fact that no one was able to see this coming source kept it from us it's kind of right. like uh it's kind of like uh the um okay i'm gonna keep a really good one from you guys but this is gonna force the hand and force you over that line and you mm -hmm. guys are gonna do fine and i think for the most part we have done really really we have exceeded oh, yeah. ourselves yeah absolutely you know it's pretty funny too because uh i wrote the comic book four years ago i started in 2016 and uh two years ago I wrote I, I I wrote the chapters where there's a an outbreak of a disease and and we were drawing it the 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 artist started drawing those pages in March of 2020 and so he's like what am I I'm drawing what's happening right now like what wh how did you do that <laughs> it's like I don't know I I wrote it two years ago like you know so. So I, I might have gotten some information about this, but I didn't go telling the world, hey, we're going to have a pandemic because yeah. I didn't know that that was a predictive experience. I just thought I was writing a cool story. Yeah. Pandemics have been um, have, have been it's one of those sci fi topics that people have been um, they, they love to play into. But like in terms of like, oh, we're going to have the, 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 the 2019 from early 2019, not 2020, this this one little virus is going to kind of be very popular in 2020 going to 2021 and it's going to change the world um at, at the all that aspect i have never heard anybody being able to pick that up early so i think some things source holds back just to just for the element of surprise just so it could surprise itself to all of us of how how are these people going to to use this are they go, is it going to 
are they yeah, yeah are they going to handle this um together or is it going to make division what is going to happen i want so it's almost like let's just throw in the eight ball see what happens and um i know and there's a lot of countries that offer universal health care and in the united states quote quote we don't offer universal health care but everybody who gets coronavirus is getting their health care addressed regardless of whether they can pay for it or not so what is that right that's universal health care exactly that's forced universal health care right so the hand's been forced to take care of each other whether we want to pay for it or not because mm -hmm. right. if we don't take care of it it can come back and hurt you as well right Exactly. So consciousness has a very funny way of sometimes forcing the hand on us to see and make us go to where we we need to go to, yeah, to get into those higher levels. So, I um I, I found that interesting. Um, well, is there any last message that you have for everybody? Because we've talked about a lot of really great topics um, today. Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite little concepts is that in each of us is a child and the master. And the child is the one that wants to play and stomp in the puddle and, and <clears throat> touch the fuzzy thing and watch the ants on the sidewalk, right? And that's a beautiful aspect of yourself that you often don't spend that much time doing. And so I encourage everybody to do a little bit more of that, to skip down the, the sidewalk or to juggle the oranges in the grocery store, just have a little bit of fun. Then the other aspect of ourselves is something I call the master, and that is our ability to connect to our spirit guides or to the ascended masters or to the collectives or whatever, whoever it is that you speak to, or even yourself as source. And you can do this through that kind of method that I was talking about earlier, where you kind of go into a meditative state and you ask a question and wait for the answer. But I think there's a third aspect of ourselves, and that I, I like to call the adult. The adult is the one that is trying to make all the right decisions. It's the one that doesn't have time for the child, that doesn't have enough money for, for the child's wants. Um, and the, and it also, the, the adult thinks it's the master and it thinks it has to answer all those questions and it's going to use the rules of the third dimensional society to answer those questions. It's going to use prediction and create five-year plans and all these sorts of things that are very limited in knowledge. But instead, you have access to unlimited knowledge of the universe through the master. So uh, my ultimate suggestion is to spend as much time as you can talking to the master and to spend as much time as you can being the child so that you can experience all of these amazing things in this, in this world, in this life, in this society. Well, Zane, thank you for adding to another great modality so that people can learn to remove negative entities of all forms um, <laughs> and to address their fear of it um, so that they can activate that Christ consciousness and those wonderful DNA codes that's already inside them. So for more information about Zane Daniels courses, please visit his website, which is X-A-N-E Daniel, D-A-N-I-E-L.com. So thank you kindly to our listeners for listening to another enlightening conversation. Until next time, blessings. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. 
For more information about today's guest, please go to the show description. For more information about Vaughn's metaphysical work, please go to MerkabaChakras.com. The views expressed today are for entertainment purposes and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Don't forget to subscribe for more interviews about the fifth dimension. Until we meet again, blessings.